0: Water gang, this is Historical AF. I'm Keena. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. (laughs) We are two history podcasts bringing you some historical and spooky nuggets about 19th century
1: outlaws and criminals. I'm excited to have you guys back. Thank you. Thank you for having us again. We had so much fun last time. Yes.
0: Hashtag history is back. They just couldn't stay away or I, you know, nagged them to come
1: back. Yeah, we did (laughs) did find that contract. So here we are again. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, we had a bunch of fun last time. Thanks for having us again. It's
0: a pleasure. Yeah, everybody really loved your episode. I'm glad you guys are back, and it's always fun to hang out with other history podcasters because we can geek out together.
1: Yeah, it's it's the nerdiest. That's (laughs) (laughs) it. It truly, truly is. It's the best of times.
0: Yes, (laughs) and we need all the joy we can get this year.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah i said that as i was <laughs> gulping down wine <laughs> this comes out right before
0: thanksgiving so if that's a thing Yay. you celebrate happy thanksgiving yes happy thanksgiving anybody anybody yeah. anybody <laughs> everybody
1: <laughs> anybody
0: like our canadians being like we don't celebrate it on that day <laughs>
1: yeah i know didn't they celebrated like a month ago right i think something so like That. yeah
0: something i should know but i do not
1: yeah, I know as history nerds, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I have a very specific part of history I'm an expert in. It's very small
1: and it, uh, apparently it's not very small. We were just referring to rescue and no <laughs> that's true not not very that small at all. Yes, that is very true. Okay, so do you want us to take it away, Kina? Yes, I would love for you guys to go. So in honor of the criminal theme, we are bringing you the story of Lizzie Borden. So for anyone that is tuning in, that's already listened to our podcast, you may have already heard our episode about Lizzie Borden. If you haven't already heard it, we did a really deep dive into it in our episode 12, which feels like it was a 100 years ago, even though that was only like... Six months ago, but <laughs> we did already do a deep dive into Lizzie Borden, and we're super excited to get to do that again here tonight because she is so fascinating. Oh yes,
0: and I just saw her house is for sale, and I wanted so. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. No, oh,
1: I, I didn't actually, know that. Yeah, I have updated notes about her house towards the towards the end of the episode i have all the deets on square footage (laughs) and furnishing (laughs) and all the goods yeah oh my gosh If because i i feel like maybe the three of us could go in on it together yeah yeah maybe get a few other people a few other history podcasts to okay (laughs) I'm loving this because we'll, we'll get to it, but there are seven bedrooms. We can all just have our own podcast studio in each one of the rooms. Yes. I okay. am in. Okay. <gasps> I like it. I like it. Venmo me later. <laughs> <laughs> Venmo me $200,000 later, please. So the Lizzie Borden trial, which occurred in 1892 went through to 1893, it wouldn't be marked as one of the first trials in which the media oversaturated the case, much like more modern day examples that we know today, such as, you know, the OJ Simpson trial or the Casey Anthony trial. But all of this media attention is really what led to all the speculation that we still have about the case today. In fact, there has been so much talk about the Lizzie Borden case that there is even a nursery rhyme associated with it. Have you heard it before, Kina? Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. I should have known. Why did I ask that question? Of of (laughs) course you have. But for anyone that hasn't or just to really get the spooky feels going, here's the rhyme. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 whacks. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. <laughs> oh. creepy.
0: Aren't Nursery Rhymes like the worst?
1: They really like, are. They're like of the darkest yeah. shit.
0: Like they're so dark.
1: Yeah, they yeah. all have very dark origins. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, to give you a little background, Lizzie was born on July 19th in 1860 in Fall River, Massachusetts, cuz we realize every like every episode has something happen in Massachusetts. So, yeah, just
1: <laughs> something's every, going on there. Yeah, there's a lot of
2: stuff happening in Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> she grew up in a super Christian and super modest household despite her father being relatively wealthy. Her dad, Andrew Jackson Borden, was a super successful property developer that ended up amassing what would be in today's currency an estate worth more than $8 million. So he was pretty. Wow. Yeah, they were sitting comfortably, you could say. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Despite that, he committed himself. And his family to a super frugal lifestyle., uh, many of his family and friends live in much nicer parts of town with the Borden family staying in more uh, in a more conservative household located on ninety second Street in Fall River, which later it was two hundred and thirty second Street, Fall River. There's actually a picture of the house that we uploaded. Hopefully we can share it for us to describe and for the viewers to see. Yes, I have it pulled up. Share
1: screen. Okay. There can you is. see that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So that's what we're looking at here for the house. So it's a pretty
2: modest house. It doesn't, you know, it's two stories, so that's cool. But I mean, it, I think my house is probably bigger than that, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's. I was. I was thinking of my own house. Like my <laughs> house is like a tenth of the size of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No, your house is bigger than that, Leah.
2: So it's it's like mo I mean, my house isn't that big, but I, I'm just saying it's modest, especially for having eight million dollars in your bank account, right? Yes. Sure. So the other unfortunate thing about this modest uh house that the Bordens lived in was that there was no indoor plumbing no. or electric yeah, or electricity. Even though these were commonplace. Amenities at that time, um, especially of someone of Mr. Borden's stature who could afford such things.
0: Well, there's your crime right there. Right? Certainly.
2: Like we were, I remember in our episode, I, I was hearing the story for the first time in detail on our podcast and my reaction was like, well, that's why she murdered them. Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> come what, on. Motive established. What if they like, they go into the police headquarters, right? And they're like, we just don't know who would do this. And they're like, well, you do know they don't have indoor plumbing, right? He's like, got it. The daughters. <laughs> the daughters. So it's one of them. Yeah. Got it. Everything here is understood.
2: Yeah. So it just goes to show how cheap Mr. Borden really, truly was. He was crazy cheap. There was a lot of tension in the Borden home leading up to the murders, not just because of the electricity and lack of plumbing, but because daddy made the family shovel their own shit when it was entirely unnecessary. No, I'm joking. That's, that's, that's just my assumption. (laughs) (laughs) No, for one, Lizzie's mom died when she was young, leaving her and her oldest sister, Emma, to stay with their dad for only three years before he remarried. So I don't know. That seems to some that might seem quick, even though they were quite young at the time. Lizzie and Emma despised their stepmom. Her name was Abby, and they believed that she had only married their father for his wealth. They would often refuse to eat dinner with the family and would sassily refer to Abby as Miss Borden to show that she was not family to them. Yeah. <laughs> on on top of that, both Lizzie and Emma were becoming frustrated with their father, who began gifting real estate to his wife's family in the months before the murders.
0: Oh, yeah. hell no. Yeah. You That's can't no give good. me plumbing, but you're going to give them a house?
2: Right? No. It's crazy. Yeah. The sisters demanded their own piece of real estate because of this. And then their father sold them a rental property that he had lived in when they were kids. He sold it to them for a dollar. So pretty cool, dad. Thanks. I'll buy yeah. a house for a dollar. Thank cool. you. That would be nice.
0: Yeah. It
1: <laughs> that would be nice.
0: <laughs> so
2: this is where it gets really effed up. Okay. So a dollar in equivalent today is $30. Okay, keep that in mind. So in the ultimate, fuck you, the Twisted Sisters ended up selling it back to their dad shortly before the murders for $5,000, which is equivalent to about $140,000 today. So even though he essentially gifted it to them for a dollar, they were like, take it back, but give us $150,000. Thanks, Pa. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what the hell were they on? This whole thing reeks of spoiled brat to me personally.
1: I don't know. Yeah. It's really I bad. Agree.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: There's definitely a lot of tension here. And so with all this built up tension, we also know that there was this huge family fight in July of 1892 that actually led Lizzie and Emma to leave the family home for an extended period of time in which they stayed in New Bedford. Which we've also had an episode in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Again, all Massachusetts. Our our podcast is a history of Massachusetts. It would appear. <laughs> <laughs> Only in a week before the murders, did Lizzie return to town. But even then, she stayed in a boarding house in town for a handful of days before actually going back to her dad's house. So she goes back to her dad's, and within days, everyone in the house is disgustingly sick many in the Borden family suspected the reason for how ill they were was because they had been eating leftover mutton that had been on the stove for days so for anyone yes anyone that's not familiar mutton is uh sheep's meat and it was left yes everyone's (laughs) stomach it's so gross so I'm gonna give everyone a moment while our stomachs (laughs) are gurgling We'll take a break. Oh. But yeah, so I mean, the the meat is literally left on the stove for several days. Remember how cheap we said Mister Borden was? It's speculated that this is why the mutton was eaten over the course of several days because he was so cheap that he made his family eat days old meat. Ugh. Yeah, that that no, one no, makes no, my no. stomach hurt no, 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 no. <laughs> there's also another popular theory about why the family suddenly came down with an illness cue the forensic files music here <laughs> <But> I, <did laughs> I love it there was a local drugstore owner that claims that he saw lizzie borden attempt to purchase hydrogen cyanide the day before the murders but was unable to since she did not have a prescription In fact, there is evidence that Abby Borden, the stepmom, did actually suspect that poison was the reason why the family had been feeling so ill. Mr. Borden was not very well-liked in town. He was actually a bit of a jerk. And the family had long speculated if and when the townspeople may retaliate his behavior. No, a
2: jerk?
0: I am shocked.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is a surprise to everyone. (laughs) All right, so... We're now at the day before the murders. John Morse, who is Lizzie's uncle, so the brother of Mr. Borden, was invited to stay a couple of nights at the Borden household in order to discuss quote unquote business with their father. What kind of business, you ask? Historians have determined that Mr. Borden and Morris were likely discussing property transfer business, which may have been the final nail in the (laughs) coffin. So we, (laughs) so if we are to understand that Mr. Borden's property sales had indeed upset Lizzie and Emma you can see where this is leading. So Morse, Morse stays the night of August 3rd, 1892, sleeping in the guest room. That's important guys. It's going to come up again later. Um, after breakfast the next morning, Morris and Mr. Borden talk for about an hour or so more before Morris left the house at around 8.48 a.m. That's very specific. Very, very. specific. <laughs> to attend to some other business, but he promised that he intended to return for lunch for sure. Me too, Morris. As long too. as
1: it's not mutton. <laughs> yes. Yes,
2: please, God, as long as it's not the mutton. <laughs> so... Mr. Borden then also left shortly after that to go on his usual morning walk. So now we've finally made it to the actual day of the murders, August 4th, 1892, 99 years to the day before my birth.
1: (laughs) Happy early, 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 early birthday. Thank
2: you. (laughs) Thanks. Um, (laughs) And which, despite what many theories stated, it was not The hottest day of the year and we'll get to that later again another important thing we'll get to but anyways august 4th which was still a pretty hot day in massachusetts morse mr borden miss borden lizzie and the housemaid bridget maggie sullivan they've all finished breakfast and are going their separate ways it's um sometime after breakfast that mrs borden goes to the guest room to straighten it up for morse and can we talk about that because super host Rachel, <laughs> yeah. If you ever stayed at my house, I'm not tucking your bed sheets back in for you.
1: Uh, rude, very rude. <laughs> I expect breakfast and my sheets to be tucked okay well you will be
2: sorely disappointed because I'm sorry I'm not doing that especially if I have a housemaid like what Uh, yeah that too (laughs) that is very true yeah so now all we all we know next from forensic science again you gotta do the forensic
0: yeah yes
2: Is that Miss Borden was facing her killer when she was struck on the side of her head by a hatchet, which then caused her to fall to the floor where she busted her nose and her forehead. She was then struck several times on the back of the head by approximately, get this, 17 hits by a hatchet. Uh,
0: That's a lot of anger overkill that's what
2: like whatever you hear like oh and there were 37 gunshots i'm like
0: you had to reload
2: like you you know what i mean like yeah wow but like also
0: i would
1: be tired swinging an axe once oh totally yeah that's a whole other piece of this it's like you lifted that hatchet 17 times after 10
2: strokes your mind is no longer in the anger stage and you're in the oh i'm hacking someone's face off okay yeah yes like you're, and you're, you're so going right
1: it moves <laughs> to a very conscious position mm-hmm. yeah
2: so it's crazy it's a lot of anger uh. there in my i mean i have to assume this is where stuff gets kind of confusing and conflicting accounts happen so everyone starts telling a different story because according to Sullivan, that's the housemaid. It's around ten thirty a.m. when she says that Mister Borden returns from his walk and was an- unable to get the front door open. He called for I help, like, to which oh, I feel ahead. like
1: we're playing a game of Clue. The house <laughs> oh, yeah. was in the kitchen for, for with, sure, not with the hatchet,
2: not with the hatchet, no. <laughs> So, Miss, Su- the maid Sullivan went to go help Mr. Borden open the door because he couldn't get in because he's a dumb fuck. When <laughs> she was also unable to get the jammed door open, she starts swearing to which she testifies she heard Lizzie, specifically Lizzie, laugh from the top of the staircase. No. First of all, super creepy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not Very okay dramatic. with that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then secondly, this is also important because anyone on the second story of the house at, at that time would have known that Miss Borden was dead and axed and, you know, chopped in the face a million times. And there was no way you could miss her based on her location where she was found
1: right I do recall when we recorded this episode Leah you had just moved into your house right or it was like you had only been there for like a month or so and I remember us recording this you were like home alone yeah and then I said something about like Lizzie laughed from the top of the stairs and you're like give me a second I need to go lock every single window <laughs> <laughs> and she, Yeah, you can hear that in our episode where she's like okay I'll be right back <laughs> So that's that story. Lizzie, on the other hand, she tells a completely different story, of course. She states that she most certainly was not upstairs. She says nothing about the jam door experience. Rather, when Mr. Borden returned from his walk and asked Lizzie where Mrs. Borden was, she tells him that Mrs. Borden went to go visit a sick friend. I guess that, that leftover mutton was going around town. <laughs> Lizzie also says later that she helped Mr. Borden remove his boots before he took a nap on the couch. We know that this couldn't have been true, though, because the awful, awful, awful pictures of their bodies after they had died show Mr. Borden's dead body on the couch with his shoes on. Finally, Lizzie then testified that she suggested Sullivan run to the store, but Sullivan rejected the offer since she was still feeling like shit, as was the rest of the family from being sick for so many days, and she instead went to her bedroom to take a nap. Mm -hmm. It all sounds super suspicious, right? Yeah. By Sullivan's account, it's while she's upstairs resting that she hears Lizzie start screaming from downstairs, Maggie, come quick. Father's dead. Someone came in and killed him. Sullivan comes racing down and sees that Mr. Borden was killed while laying on the couch for his nap, with approximately ten strikes from a hatchet, one of which completely split his eyeball in half. Oh,
0: oh, 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 oh! oh. <sighs>
2: okay, sorry, my gag reflex. Me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so this is all super sus, right? Very After, soup's soup sus. After circling around a couple of different stories, Lizzie settled on telling authorities that she was in the barn that was on the property and had run into the house when she heard some kind of noise. Again, this is the theory she sort of settled on. She had also told police a story that she was in the barn at the time of the murders, had not heard anything, and only realized something was wrong when she actually got inside the house. The police were later criticized for their complete lack of thorough investigation the day of the murders. Pretty much they felt bad for the Borden family. They knew they had been ill and they chose to leave them alone to rest and heal the day and night of the murders. If it's anything like nowadays, if
2: you hear someone sick, you're like, please. Oh, (laughs) as much time as you need. Stay
1: back. Stay, put your your mask on, stay back. Put your mask
2: on, get away from me.
1: I don't need to know the details. Thank you, bye. Very, very excellent points. Even Morse, the uncle, uh, he returned to the home that night and slept in a separate guest room while Lizzie and Emma also stayed in the house that night. Even more than that, a friend of Lizzie's and Emma's, Alice Russell, came and stayed the night in the house with them that evening. Why are so many people staying in this murder house the day of the murders? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. It isn't until August 6th, so two days after the murders, that the police finally return to the house and actually conduct a true investigation. They found in the basement of the house a hatchet head with a broken handle. Mm -hmm. Hmm. They confiscated this, believing it could very well be the murder weapon. It's at this time that Lizzie is also told by the police that she is officially a suspect in the murder of her parents. The day after Lizzie was told that she's a suspect, Alice Russell, the friend of Lizzie's and Emma's that I just mentioned a moment ago, she was headed into the kitchen of the home when she sees Lizzie tearing a dress apart. Oh. So she's like, uh, Lizzie um, WTF, in those were quote quote unquote, yeah, exactly historically accurate, yes <laughs> yeah. historically accurate quote, Lizzie tells her that the dress has paint on it, and she intends to throw the dress on a fire later, so like really
2: w t f this is the part where I'm like, okay, she's guilty, like that, yeah, that that's the part where I'm like. Uh, okay i could see mixing up your story i could see not keeping that kind of stuff straight you're burning a dress
1: yeah yeah exactly so uh, on august 8th alice stated she did officially witness lizzie burning that exact dress in the kitchen stove guilty. Ah,
0: yeah guilty <laughs> seems yeah like some sloppy covering your tracks though so yeah. you know people are in there yeah so sloppy Yes. <laughs> so there
2: was a hearing on August 8th of 19. Oh, sorry. 1892. That would have been a long wait for a hearing.
1: <laughs> the court system is really backed up, guys. <laughs> so that
2: trial officially sealed Lizzie's fate. The police and attorneys interrogated her and she provided conflicting account after conflicting account. The media was all over this. They later published a three-page article about it in the Boston Globe. Lizzie had officially become the premier premier suspect, <laughs> <laughs> and a trial date was set to start on June fifth, eighteen ninety-three. The prosecution obviously had some heavy evidence to support their theory of Liz. Stop laughing at me! You're so
1: funny. (laughs) It's a compliment.
2: (laughs) All right, the prosecution had some evidence to support their theory of Lizzie's guilt, but the defense fought back pretty hard. Neither side was ever able to prove whether the hatchet head had indeed been the murder weapon. And there were even some witnesses that testified of indeed seeing Lizzie in the barn on the property at what would have been the same time as the murders. Eyewitness (laughs) testimony is not reliable. That's all I have. Yeah,
1: thank you. Yeah, it's very true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that in a couple of episodes.
2: Mm hmm. So not necessarily relevant, but we're going to talk about it anyways. We have to throw it in here because it is so crazy. So yeah. during the autopsies of Mr. and Mrs. Borden, their heads were removed. Oh, God. <laughs> and then brought into the courtroom as evidence.
1: Oh, yikes. <laughs> why? Yeah. why? 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 Oh. I don't think
2: anyone would be surprised to hear that Lizzie fainted upon seeing them hatchet wielding mad woman or not seeing my dad's decapitated head would make me pass the f out yes that would yeah. give
1: me
0: pause as well
1: <laughs> that would give me pause <laughs> yes. so on june 20th
2: 1893 so about two weeks into the trial the jury deliberated for close to an hour and a half before determining that lizzie was not guilty of her parents murders <sighs> there's a newspaper clipping that we have uploaded delivering this news to the public does one of you want yes meet
0: not meet it? guilty <laughs> lizzie andrew borden acquitted of the awful charge of murdering her father and stepmother so say 12 good men and true mm. so why lizzie was acquitted
2: is still personally a liber a little flabbergasting yeah. To me, and I think to Rachel and to many. Yes. yes. Uh, but one thing to keep in mind is that much of her back and forth testimony was not actually admissible in court. So all those statements she made about, you know, was she inside? Was she out in the barn? That wasn't part of the court hearing. Things like her attempting to purchase poison shortly before the murders was not admissible in court. As the judge determined, it wasn't relevant somehow. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. So by the time Lizzie got to trial, she and her attorneys had settled on a consistent story that she had been in the barn at the time of the murders. And this is the story that the jurors heard, you know, straightforward. That's They stuck to it. They didn't deviate from it at all. Yeah. We can also speculate that, especially a hundred years ago, 12 men sitting on a jury do not want to believe that a well-raised Christian girl had anything to do with the murders of her parents or anyone for that matter. Yeah,
1: that's very true. Right. So what happened to Lizzie following the trial? Well, Lizzie and Emma became soups wealthy following their parents' death. Mm. Mr. Borden. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah, have you guys seen that? Well, of course you've seen it. It's a little the TikTok trend that don't be suspicious, don't be yes. suspicious. Don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all of this. Can someone <laughs> can someone of you create a TikTok that's like just pictures of Lizzie Borden over and over? Don't be suspicious. I am on don't it. <laughs> I would love it so much. Yeah,
2: I don't post, I only
1: follow. <laughs> I love it. So Mr. Borden's fortune was supposed to pass to their stepmom, Abby Borden, should anything ever happen to him. But because they had both died, this fortune passed on to Lizzie and Emma instead. They used this fortune to purchase a huge home. One that Lizzie called Maplecroft that had a full staff of maids and housekeepers This really bothered townspeople because the Borden girls would often flaunt the wealth that they had acquired after the deaths of their parents. They stayed in town, and Lizzie was ostracized by the community for the rest of her life, which is no surprise, really. Yeah, Townspeople wanted nothing to do with her. The first church service that she attended after her acquittal, not a single person sat near her. It was kind of like COVID times. People (laughs) people (laughs) kept their six feet of distance. For years following the acquittal, children in the town would throw rocks and eggs at her house. And her her grave has been vandalized over and over throughout the years. Speaking, Yeah, no, I know that's totally sad. Disrespecting the dead, that's really awful. Speaking of Maplecroft, though, and we did talk about this kind of at the top of the episode, Lizzie and Emma would have likely lived in this home together for the rest of their lives if Lizzie hadn't done something to piss Emma off. In 1905, Lizzie threw a party for an actress named Nace O'Neill. Emma did not approve of this party and moved out of the house immediately following it. The two sisters would never speak again. That is really sad to me. What happened at yeah. that party? Well, okay. So, yeah. So, here is pretty much, like, the biggest, most major, most controversial theory about Lizzie. There has been speculation for years that Lizzie may have been a lesbian. Some have used this to explain why she killed her parents. Perhaps they caught onto her secret and she was so upset about it and figured killing them was the only way she could escape them. This is also the same theory used to explain why Emma was so upset with Lizzie for throwing the party for that actress. There's speculation that Lizzie and actress Nace O'Neill were involved in a sexual relationship and Emma disapproved so strongly that she moved out of the house and never spoke to her sister again. So what evidence is there to support that Lizzie was a lesbian? Zero. (laughs) Uh, Other than the fact that she never married, but that's not evidence. No one ever reported seeing her or suspecting that she had any kind of homosexual relationships. In fact, this theory only surfaced in 1980s, in the 1980s, when author Ed McBain announced his theory in the book he wrote about the Borden murders called Lizzie. So let's go back to
2: bringing up that August fourth, eighteen ninety two day, and how it was not the hottest day of the year, right? Yeah. Why is that important?
1: Yeah. Why has
2: (laughs) yeah? Well, I'll tell you. (laughs) It has long been reported that August fourth, eighteen ninety two, was a hundred degrees because. Well, this theory supported the prosecutor's theory. They stated that there was no way that Lizzie could have been in the barn at the time of the murders because the heat simply would not have allowed it. She would have passed out. She would have been too hot. Later, conspiracy theorists have suspected that perhaps Sullivan, the housemaid, had been responsible for the murders because she was pissed off that she had been expected to continue on with household chores, even though she was still sick from the mutton sweats <laughs> or or whatever <laughs> <laughs> or or
1: whatever it was. But, the, yeah, mutton hashtag sweat. mutton sweats. That is so <laughs> great <laughs> I, hope, I hope there are no other images under hashtag mutton sweats.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god. Gross. Put that and, on search.
2: <laughs> yeah, you I can, love feel it. free, please. Yeah. You can you can copyright that. <laughs> <laughs> And to be honest, I'd be pissed about it, too. If, if yeah. someone was making me work when I was sick, truly ill, I'd be pissed. And when it's a 100 but,
1: plus degrees or whatever. Yeah. Degrees. yeah.
2: But let the record show that it was only historically... About 83 degrees Fahrenheit. Like historical records show this. Yeah. And if you're from Sacramento, like Rachel and I, 83 degrees is a gift from God in the middle of our (laughs) usual 100 degree weather in
1: August. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah. Leah's already mentioned this. Her birthday's on August 4th, which was the day of the murders. I'm pretty sure every single one of Leah's birthdays has been at least 112 degrees. Every Every year.
0: Year. Yeah. <laughs> At a minimum. Yay. Living in deserts. <laughs> Yay.
2: <laughs> so Lizzie did come back up in the media about five years later for shoplifting. Oh. Yeah. You heard that right. Much like <laughs> Winona, this filthy rich lady <laughs> got caught shoplifting. Not related, but we just wanted to share it. It's
1: such an insane detail
2: yeah so on june 1st 1927 lizzie died from pneumonia at the age of 66 it will come as no surprise that her death was not publicized in the paper and very few people attended her funeral even though lizzie and emma had not spoken in years it is kind of eerie that emma died only eight days after her sister from kidney disease wow yeah some kind of connection there right the sisters, neither of whom had ever married, were buried side by side in Fall River, Massachusetts.
1: Aww. So, yeah. So, the home where Mister and Missus Borden died has been converted into a <laughs> bed and breakfast. I, you can visit, but only the brave of heart can also stay the night. To stay the night in the room where Missus Borden was hacked to death will cost you three hundred bucks per night.
0: Oh wow! In yeah. Fall
1: River,
2: Massachusetts.
1: <laughs> I could right. see a room like that in like New York or Los Angeles being $300. Right. Right. <laughs> now, if that's something that you're interested in, you might also want to check out Maplecroft, the home that Lizzie purchased following her parents' death. Because, like we talked about, it is currently for sale for or- only $890,000. I need it. Gimme, gimme. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now, at first, that number sounded kind of outrageous to me, but... That $890,000 gets you 3,935 square feet, seven bedrooms, four bathrooms, and is entirely furnished with period-appropriate pieces. I okay, mean, no-brainer. No-brainer. All right. Let's get all our, our history podcast buddies together. We're all going in on this. The price I is mean- so good.
0: I actually, before COVID times, I was trying to buy a bed and breakfast, this historic building here in Seguin, and things were actually moving, and I was about to get it, and then COVID hit, and then nobody's giving hospitality loans anymore. Yeah. But that one, it was 700000 and it was only four bedrooms okay like or two in texas yes yeah yeah
2: and in california i mean 890 will get you like a really nice kind of large four to five bedroom house maybe you know that like it'll be on the upper end of things but so for 890 to get
1: that much space and everything and it's i mean it's a historic location for like not a great reason but it's historic and also at least it's not the house that the murders occurred, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Now, yes, that's the biggest. <laughs> that's the biggest thing. Is like the realtors must have to put in like asterisks at the bottom, like this is not the murder house. <laughs> <laughs> now to wrap this whole thing up, although it's pretty clear to me that Lizzie was responsible for the deaths of her parents, I think I should mention the few holes in the theory that even I can see. When police arrived at the scene, there was no blood. Spl- splatter that was so hard to say sorry guys (laughs) (laughs) they apparently arrived very shortly after the murders occurred and lizzie had no blood on her so there is the matter of how did she change out of her clothes so quickly assuming she was the killer and assuming the dress that she burned in the kitchen stove days later did indeed have blood on it there's also a lot of speculation about john morse lizzie's uncle this random uncle that randomly appears the very night before the murders and is coincidentally out of the house, away on business, at the very moment that his family is being hacked to death—that's a bit suspicious. Don't also, be suspicious. I just <laughs>
2: don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't. Be um, suspicious. But also, like, why is his last name Morse if he somehow related? Is he not actually blood related to them?
1: Uh, I actually don't know. I had thought maybe he was related uh, on the other side. Hold on. The other
2: I'm- side. The wife. I said brother, but I realized that was just an assumption I made. That might not have been right. <laughs> um, oh, I'm goodness.
1: doing like, I'm doing a quick Google. And yeah, he was the brother to Lizzie's original mother. Oh, Got it. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We'll it out. Now, finally, it's worth mentioning that there actually was another ax murderer cuz that's a thing in Fall River, Massachusetts just days before Lizzie's trial began. Oh. But yeah, but the man convicted of that murder was ruled out as being involved in the Borden homicide as it was proven that he was not in Fall River at that time. Oh. Okay. Hmm. So one final
2: weird yet interesting thing anybody who is a fan of dance or ballet may like to know, really weird Side tangent. In 1948, the American Ballet Theater premiered at the Metropolitan Opera House a brand new ballet by the name of Fall River Legend, which retells the story of the Borden murders, except this time Lizzie is found guilty. Ooh. So we actually have a couple pictures of the ballet, and I'd like us all to stare and gawk at this weird, weird, <laughs> weird moment in entertainment like history yeah. so weird so you could see it's like a ballet dancer and she's wearing a white dress and she has blood on the front of her <laughs> and then there's another ballet dancer beautiful pose and then there's a hatchet or an axe dug into a stump in front of her so oh. that's kind of disturbing Right. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people, including us, obviously have a weird interest in murders, true crime, and dark histories. But I wouldn't choreograph a whole fucking ballet about a gruesome murder spree.
0: Like, no. that's a little weird. So <laughs> weird. That would not be in my first thought of what to do with this whole situation. Right. So like, write a book. Don't choreograph
1: a ballet. <laughs> Just write a book. Is it weirder? <laughs> Like the people that go see it, would you ever go watch it? I feel like I would go watch it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I'd yeah. go watch it. Yeah. It's so
2: weird. Like you have yeah. to. Yeah. So, what I this want. ballet shows is that Lizzie Borden and her story has forever fascinated society, inspiring such things as ballets, TV series, and even a creepy and historically inaccurate nursery rhyme. <laughs>
0: Yes, I did watch that Christina Richie. Did you like it? I don't think I even finished it. Yeah. But I watched some of it.
1: I I know I'm, Rachel said she wasn't a fan. It was too historically inaccurate, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm one of those people that are super lame, and I'm like, this isn't what really happened.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. same. Like, some things I think is fine. Like, the great, like, even in the beginning they're like, oh, sometimes so accurate. That but like, yeah. they're funny. But like, some, they tried
1: too hard to make it accurate, and it's not. Yeah.
2: Oh,
0: like,
1: when the the christina richie or how do you say her last name richie what doesn't Ritchie, she Ritchie, i think it's richie technically but i don't say adams miss <laughs> miss wednesday adams she that one does develop the whole storyline about her being a lesbian a, lesbian. a lot more yeah, right. yeah. Oh, okay yeah.
0: wasn't there like a kristen stewart movie where it's her and her affair with the maid or something a lizzie borden movie
1: Yes, I'm. Pretty oh, I sure. haven't seen this. One. I hadn't
2: heard of that. Let me yeah.
1: yeah, please yeah. do a goog. <laughs> to the googs. To, to the
0: googs. So, Kristen Stewart is playing the maid, Bridget. Ooh. Is that her name? Oh. Yeah. And then Lizzie Borden is that Chloe 70.
1: 70? I don't know who that Do you have a picture of her right there? um yes oh she's
0: from american horror story i think that is not a great picture
1: (laughs) (laughs) if there's more (laughs) it's a side profile and i really can't tell sorry yeah (laughs) it is not a good picture you are correct okay well cool i feel like i'm gonna have to check that out now i had no idea all of them are like them about to kiss they're really yeah they're all just making out yeah Mm -hmm. i'm very interested okay I'm super yeah. interested. 2018. I must
0: have missed this one.
1: Totally, it so cut?
0: interesting. Kristen Stewart is very hot on the indie scene. So if it's an indie movie, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, she's about to be Princess Diana, and I do not know how I feel about that. Wait, what? what? Yeah, she got casted for a new Diana thing. I'm gonna I mean, protest. Yeah, I'm. I just don't know how I feel about that. Like her acting I don't style. Either.
2: You know Princess. who was really good at uh, being Princess Diana is... Oh, shoot. What's her name? She was in
1: The, the Happening to What's her name? Naomi? Is it, Oh, okay. Is it the... So I don't... I haven't watched it yet. Is it... Um, I'm sorry. I'm going to, like, really embarrass myself by not knowing <laughs> what this is. But the show about Queen Elizabeth II. Oh, The, show, the Crown? That's a, the Crown. Thank you. This season has princess diana's story in it right so i haven't watched the crown at all but i plan to watch this season because i've seen pictures like side by sides that they've done of the gal playing princess diana i'm like she's Pretty spot on oh, in the picture. Oh, it's good. I haven't watched this season yet, but yeah, she—I've
2: seen her, and here's Naomi Watts playing Diana, and I feel like she really looks like. Yeah, her.
0: I but agree. I, I saw it. I saw it just before it shifted. She totally yeah, looks like her. They like have the side by side, but I just don't see it. I mean, I, I guess know. like that.
1: We don't like uh, it. We're protesting. No,
0: we don't. We don't <laughs> like it. It's called Spencer. <laughs> is the movie. The critical weekend in the early 90s when Diana decided her marriage to Prince Charles wasn't working.
1: Okay. I mean day three into the <laughs> uh, yeah, all day the- three into the like meeting each other. I know. Mm-hmm. I- oh. We could literally talk about Princess Diana for a hundred years. I- I'm here God, for I all her. of it. I know. So much. I'm here for all of it. Yes. Except for the <sighs> Kristen Stewart part. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that'll be a no for me. <laughs> I'm excited for whatever spooky story you're going to tell and how it would be any kind of a palate cleanser. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. A lot of people still die. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, relief! Okay. Thank God there's still murder.
0: <laughs> I think it's really difficult to talk about like outlaws and criminals without just so much death. But yeah, it did mm-hmm. a little different turn
1: here. So I'm we're going to
0: start out in Fort Smith, Arkansas back in my home state close to where love, I lived. Love it. So not Aww.
1: Massachusetts.
0: So not Massachusetts. We, okay. were, we were moving away. And you probably didn't know this because a lot of people don't, but this was actually known as the gateway to the Old West. Did cool. you know
2: that? No. I feel like I've heard that saying before, but I didn't know where it applied
0: yeah. to. St. Louis has the arch, which was the gateway to like the West as uh, as well. Why can't I talk today? But this was like the Wild West. Got yeah, it. I got um, it. Cool. It was the gateway to Indian territory. Mm. So for context, Fort Smith is the second largest city in Arkansas, right behind Little Rock with a whopping 87,891 humans. Oh my God, there's that many people like literally in my neighborhood. <laughs> I know. I figured all this is going to blow your mind. So, for funsies, I looked up the population of every city I've lived in. <laughs> oh,
1: I love this. Oh my Tell-
2: gosh, I love it.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> Tell me how many were in the city that you grew up in.
0: Yes, the one I was born in is number 32 in the state with 12,569 people.
1: Do you, do you know off the top of your head, Leah's Sacramento population?
2: I'll pull it up, yeah. I, I just
1: pulled it up, too, but go ahead.
2: No, you go. If you already have it up, it's I
1: don't. over 500,000. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's oh. probably just, is that just the city of Sacramento? Because Sacramento is actually a metropolis, which is Correct. like, I technically don't live in the city of Sacramento. You technically don't live in the city right. of Sacramento.
1: So there's like multiple suburbs that make up. Good point. No. Let me see if I can find more of like a county of Sa- Yeah. <laughs> Excuse my prior facts. The county <laughs> of Sacramento, which is where Leah and I live, is there's 1.5 million people. <laughs> oh,
0: the Woo. town I went to high school in, 536. No. My my high school graduating class was like 800
1: students. Yeah, I know this blows people's minds. The town I actually grew up in was 460. Oh my god! Yeah, no, high school graduations here are like you truthfully. It's an eight-hour long graduation. (laughs) Oh, ours was
0: like 30 minutes, and we had a rose (laughs) ceremony. We gave our parents roses. We had a balloon drop. We did a candlelight ceremony, and we were out. No, no, I even spent all our scholarship.
1: Leah being an event coordinator, I know you can speak to this more, but aren't like the speeches are like you have a minute and a half. Let's go. Like (laughs) what I
2: literally plan the commencement ceremonies for the art university here in Sacramento. That's my job. And yes, they have two minutes, except for those ceremonies where we have to combine two colleges into one ceremony because they get one minute each and their deans have one minute to introduce them. The president has exactly 15 minutes to speak. No more, no less. We (laughs) time it. It's three seconds per graduate for them to cross the stage. We time it three seconds per graduate to to, to cross the stage. 1.5 seconds for them to walk in. That's the whole line. So it's like 9,000 graduates times 1.5. And yes, you heard that right. 9,000 graduates. That's Sorry. Insane. Love it. I could Actually, go.
1: I could go on. That's so many people I know university is different though. That's yeah. we, we have a lot of people here versus the story you're telling, Kina. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>
0: true. <laughs> well, the town I went to undergrad has sixty or sixty-seven thousand people in it. And that's then awesome. the town I went to graduate school in has hundred and ninety-seven thousand. So that's the biggest in Arkansas Little Rock. Oh my, my gosh. gosh. But that's it. Yeah, 197, 312. That's it.
1: Biggest wow, <laughs> wow,
0: wow. The whole state. It's great. I can't uh, even
2: imagine it. Honestly, I'm trying.
0: I'm trying. Yeah, so it, it's wild to grow up in such a small, small place. Like now mm-hmm. I'm I'm right smack in between Austin and San Antonio. So it's fantastic. There's mm-hmm. like and stuffs to do. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and I didn't use the name of any of the towns so that nobody would steal my information. But joke's on you. It's all student loan debt. So try to steal my identity. will <laughs> <laughs> take it with you. <laughs> okay. Hi, uh,
1: love it, love it, love it. <laughs>
0: It's located on the arkansas Oklahoma border, and it was occupied for thousands of years by the indigenous peoples of that area, and they used it for transportation and fishing and waters. And then the Europeans busted up in the Americas like the Kool-Aid man and started, you know, claiming the area for France because, you know, that's what they did. Yeah, yeah, that's what they do. (sighs) Yes. And a lot of other stuff happened, but we're not going to talk about that. So we're going to fast forward to the 19th century when she became part of the Louisiana Purchase. Mm Mm-hmm. And then in 1817, Fort Smith was established as a Western Frontier military post. So now we're in the relevant stuff. Okay. Okay. Old Wild West. The fort was named after General Thomas Adam Smith, who commanded the United States Army Rifle Regiment in 1817. And he's either too cool or ungrateful because he never wanted to visit his namesake town, which I cannot say. If I had a town named after me, you would have to make me leave.
1: Right. 100%. Yeah,
0: totally. (laughs) and then I'd also want a holiday too. I don't know why, but it just seems like if you have a town, you should have a holiday.
1: Why not? People would appreciate you if it's a day they could get off of work. It's true. I love Keena Day so much. (laughs) Yes, especially when it falls on like a Wednesday, right in the middle of the week when you have that good one day off. So nice.
0: Oh, for the best. So, a small settlement town began forming in the area around the fort, but then it was abandoned and they moved 80 miles further west to Fort Gibson, Womp Womp. But then, due to the strategic location of its site, the federal government reestablished a military presence at Fort Smith during the 1830s because of the Indian Removal Act. <sighs> Such yeah. a really sad part of our history. And this was because it was the best way for them to remove the indians and put them in indian territory the trail of tears which cuts straight Mm -hmm. through arkansas and it's Mm -hmm. devastating so if you're ever in arkansas you'll see the signs they have signs marking the entire trail all through the state
1: wow
0: it's really depressing and that's also why arkansas has a lot of natives because a lot of people escaped so yeah And so all of this to say is that this became a base for migrants settling the Wild West. And it was also known as a law enforcement heritage site. And it also had Hell on the Border Jail and the Hanging Judge Isaac C. Parker. Have you ever heard of him, the Hanging Mm -hmm. Judge? No. Oh, we're going to learn about him. I'm excited. This guy served as the federal judge for the federal court of the Western District of Arkansas in Fort Smith. So a big mouthful. Uh And... (laughs) He got this fun nickname because he tried 13,490 cases with 9,454 of them resulting in a guilty plea or convictions. Wow. He was a busy man. No What's the kidding. percentage
1: there? <laughs> yeah, what is That's that me- percentage? That percentage is like 80-something percent, right? Yeah. Uh, it's very, someone, someone in the chat group do quick math. <laughs> That's just an insane caseload. Thirteen thousand plus cases. Yeah, It's
2: probably like, "Come on in." What'd you do? Yeah. Okay, you're guilty. Seventy. <laughs> yeah. Come on in. You? What'd you do? Okay, uh, you're guilty. guilty. Yeah, 70%. <laughs>
1: seventy percent. Seventy. Okay, my math was off. <laughs> yeah, that's just a little. <laughs> Why we're
0: historians, we don't do math. <laughs> yeah. No, do that. And his court was also unique in the fact that he had jurisdiction over all of the Indian territory covering over 74,000 square miles. That's a wow. large amount. Oh, yeah. That's insane. He, he sentenced 160 people to death, including four <gasps> women.
1: That's oh. crazy. I, he sounds so fascinating.
0: Yeah. And of those sentenced to death under Parker, 79 men were executed on the gallows, which are still there. Wow. We're gonna look at them in a second. Oh, I'm
1: so excited. (laughs) That's Uh, morbid.
0: Yes, it is. Morbid curiosity. That's got a case of the morbs. I think that's what they're (laughs) called.
1: The Morbies. The (laughs) Morbies. You go to the doctor, you're like, I think I have the Morbies. I do. (laughs) I really think I do.
0: So we're going to do a little historical detour on old Judge Parker. He was Yay. born on October 15th, 1838 in Barnesville, Ohio. Okay. At 17, he casually decided that he was going to study law. I didn't figure out my current career path until I was 30. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Good for you, dude. Yeah. He became an apprentice working under a Barnesville lawyer and studied on his own, passing the bar in 1859. So he didn't really go to school. He just studied and did it on his own. Isn't that crazy? I I feel like we had someone on one of our episodes that did that. And I was like,
2: that's how it used to work. Yeah,
1: (laughs) that's how it used to work. And actually, uh, there's still, I believe it's three states and California is one of them that you can not go to law school and still take the bar. But there are Mm -hmm. like certain restrictions you have to be like mentored by an attorney for a certain amount of years and they have to submit oh and that's what like it wasn't kim Kim Yeah, (laughs) that's what she's doing because she has lawyer friends yeah Mm -hmm. so he
0: began his legal career with his uncle d.e shannon back in the day where they just had abbreviations for names in st joseph missouri and at the shannon and branch law firm and by 1861 he was operating on his own so that's really a fast Launch into a career, right? Yeah. yeah how many years was that? Because uh, I, I mean, passed like, the bar in fifty nine and started his own business in eighteen sixty one. Okay, so two years. Cool. Yeah, that's what that's have I done yeah. in the last
2: two years? Nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Same-sies>. <laughs> it's fine. I, I started a podcast. That's all I got going. Yeah, for I them. guess that's what I've done in the last two years. Sure.
2: Yeah, that's we've done that. Bad.
0: Yeah, it's fine. And it was during this time that he met his wife, Mary O'Toole, and they married on December 12th, 1861. He won election as a city attorney on the Democratic ticket in 1861, but he'd only been in office a few days when the Civil War broke out. Another uh, romp, romp. So yeah. he kind of had to reevaluate his life, and he decided to enlist in the 61st Missouri Emergency Regiment, a Home Guard unit for the Union forces.
1: Oh, okay, very cool. After the war, he ran for county
0: prosecutor. He served as a member of the electoral college that voted for Lincoln. And then he served two terms in the US Congress. He's doing a lot. He's making me feel really bad about my life. Oh yeah. yeah.
2: There's a big political career going on there that I can't I can't. And also to. and <laughs> also like service
0: to his country as well. Right. Yeah. There's and that now too. plot twist. I'm gonna make you like him. Because I didn't know all this. Because I even Arkansas history books, it's like, oh, he killed all these people and blah, blah, blah. And then I started researching this and it's like, holy shit, he is a cool dude. So while he was in Congress, he passed several things to protect veterans. He sponsored legislation that would have given women the right to vote and hold wow. public office
1: in Whoa. the mid 1800s. Yes, right, right after mid to late 1800s. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's insane. And it wow. was during his second term that his speeches supported the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and this received national attention because he put in a lot of effort into Indian policy to ensure that they had fair treatment of the tribes that were living in the Indian Territory.
1: Wow! Like so nobody what, was doing that. That's so what just, don't we like about him? That he killed nothing. a lot of
2: people.
0: Yeah, well, we'll you get to that. It's just like a a legend that is kind of made him into this thing that he's not. So yeah, by the end of this, you're going to love him. (laughs) I got you, Parker. I got you. (laughs) And it was after the second term in Congress that he began to seek a presidential appointment as a judge of the Western District of Arkansas in Fort Smith. And on March 18, 1875, President Ulysses S. Grant appointed him to this position. He arrived in Fort Smith on May 4th, 1875, and he held court for the first time on May 10th. So he got right <laughs> to work. Oh my God. He wastes no time. No slid, kidding. Like the day things in. He's like, all right, let's go. Oh During God. his first term, he found eight men guilty of murder. So <laughs> died on September 3rd. Oh, there's a already starting to, you know, uh, get the gallows out. <laughs> wow. Parker's court was supposed to hold four terms each year. So in February, May, August, and November, But the caseload for the court was so large that the four terms ran together, and he held court six days a week, each day lasting up to 10 hours. Oh, Oh. my God. Yes. He worked hard. (laughs) He did. And fun fact, even though most of the judge's deputy marshals in the country were white, he was unique for his time that he employed deputies that were African American and Native American. Okay. This guy sounds pretty cool. I love him. Wow. Because and it's also a huge like under known fact that a lot of the cowboys, of the Old West were actually African-American. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it makes sense that he would want people, you know, in Indian territory to be Native American and also, you know, African-American cowboys. So, wow. Yeah. Very cool. I dig this, dude. In 1883, Congress made cuts to his jurist- let-out jurisdiction. All these words are so big, <sighs> <laughs> and you're the only one not drinking. I know, I know. The problem. They come out better when I'm drinking. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> In 1883, Congress made custody his jurisdiction and some of the portions that he was over before was given to Texas and Kansas because they mm-hmm. wanted to kind of relieve his workload. Yeah. But because people were still pouring into the West and the crime rate was increasing because all the people were, you right. know, doing all the murdering and the shit. So it didn't really help him. He's often called the hanging judge in his defense at the time capital offenses of rape and murder were punished by death and this is the wild west where people are raping and murdering yeah right it wasn't up to him it was and he even said it's like it's not up for the judge to decide guilt so the jury did it and because it was capital offense he didn't even have a choice be like yeah sorry dude you're dead so it really wasn't his fault poor parker poor parker And one of the most persistent myths about the judge is when ending a death sentence, he would repeat the word dead three times. And if you read some of the death sentences that were actually transcribed, he never said that. But it's like, wow, he was just wow, got a really bad rap for it. Wow. Wow. In an interview published on September 1st, 1896 in the St. Louis Republic, Parker is quoted saying, quote, I never hung a man. It's the law. So, yeah i mean true right in fact he was against capital punishment adding quote i favor the abolition of capital punishment too provided that there is certainty of punishment whatever that punishment may be in the uncertainty of punishment following crime lies the weakness of our halting crimes
1: wow Wow. this sounds like a really stand-up guy
0: he was so ahead of his time very ahead of his time Wow, a lot
1: of these platforms
0: that he's are things that we're still talking about now. <laughs>
1: like, oh, absolutely! Yep. hundred and fifty yeah. years later.
0: Yeah, his court did have some street cred, though. He sent in some of the most notorious outlaws to hang. Outlaws like Cherokee Bill, Colorado Bill, and Rufus Buck Gang. Lots of bills. <laughs>
1: Lots. Of bills. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> was Bill or Jack, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: So, where was all this hanging happening? I'm gonna tell you. First Ooh. off. Located in the basement of the old Fort Smith barracks was the hell on the border jail where inmates awaited trial or execution. As many as 150 men could be crammed into two large cells at one time. Oh, wow. It was not great. Guards explained the accompanying sign, quote, filled the ceiling space with sawdust in an effort to keep the stench of unbathed prisoners and slop buckets from wafting into the courtroom. Ugh. Wow. And they even had like uh, a communal urine trough. <laughs> like
1: it's so. Oh bad. my god, that's so horrible. Uh, let, me, let me show you a picture. Okay. Oh, there's pictures. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> sure can't wait. Uh,
0: so wow. yeah, 150 people in these rooms. <sighs> oh my god!
2: Especially now during COVID times, I'm like, God, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Area, not a lot going on in there in Faria. And that would be like solitary. But yeah. It's
1: wow. A really communal urine.
2: Trough. I mean, could is there even sitting room? Like 150 people in rooms that small? I feel like it's mostly people are just standing. There's not
0: I would imagine, yeah. There'd be no Ooh. room. You'd just be kind of like sardined in there, <laughs> probably holding each other up. But, oh god. Yikes. But because the conditions were so horrible, our man, Judge Parker, lobbied for a more decent facility, which Congress finally authorized in 1886. The new jail, which still stands, what we kind of saw, was constructed as a wing on the original barracks building. So this is slightly bigger than what it was before. But yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) A good dude. Like, yeah, you're still going to die, but you know, I can make the jail a little nicer for you. Yeah, I guess three, three feet bigger for you. Yeah. <laughs> and from the jail is a short walk to the gallows, which were enclosed with a high modesty fence. The current gallows is a replica built in 1982, but is a faithful reproduction. And they did a lot of historic research to make sure it was mm-hmm. the same. So mm-hmm. let me show you that one.
1: Oh. I love this type of stuff. Yeah, me too.
0: Stop screen.
1: So, when were these built or or they were like reconstructed? Do you know? Um, the gallows, 1982. Okay. Yeah. I have a hard time saying like, oh my God, that's cool. Cause it's a, uh, yeah. Cause I find like, it so
2: interesting that people used to watch.
1: Yeah. Well, w- <laughs> so weird. yeah. Well, I mean, look at Roman times with like gladiators and stuff. We used to, they used to watch people get murdered. But yeah. what I, what I do notice about those gallows though, is they definitely are kind of more uh, like you said, modest gallows. Like they're a little more enclosed than like, Mm -hmm. the gallows you see of i'm thinking of um like mary surratt and you know all the other co-conspirators of lincoln's assassination which would have only been about 10 or so years before this maybe 20 years before this completely out in the open anyone that wanted to platform yeah exactly Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and this is a photo of what it looked like originally so it's really spot on
2: yeah
1: wow yeah there there are a ridiculous amount of people watching the they didn't Hang have TV, they didn't have HBO <laughs> Max, yeah. they
2: did not have Netflix, let's give it <laughs> up. Yeah,
1: yeah so I, I would say definitely what you just said, Leah, like, unfortunately, that was maybe their source of entertainment, but I would say again to him, like, the modesty of it is, although there are hundreds of people watching it, there's a high fence all the way around yeah. it. So, like, yeah. if you were not there, physically there, you couldn't see it. hmm mm-hmm.
0: It was 16 feet long, so they do eight people at one time, and it would all go at the same when they pulled a the lever. So. so
2: I could, I mean, yeah. I guess you, if all of their family and the whoever, you know, if they murdered someone, the murderer's family of eight people, that adds up to a lot of people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the sure. people who want to see that, who are directly connected to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Good point. For eight cases, you know,
0: that adds up. It mm-hmm. does. So, on September 1st, 1896, another act went into effect, removing the last of Parker's Indian Territory jurisdiction. When the August 1896 term began, he was too ill to preside. Mm. Reporters interviewing Parker about the end of his jurisdiction, they had to do so at his bedside.
1: Oh,
0: sad. And he died on November 17th, 1896, of numerous health problems, including the degeneration of his heart and Bright's disease. Which I know somebody else... Somebody else I talked about had that, and I've already forgotten what it is. So let me Google. Inflammation
2: of the kidney.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
2: Is it because he drank too much? No, that would be the liver. Your liver,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A historical term, not currently in use. Too much protein in the urine and stuff, so. Too hmm. much meat. Too much uh, mutton. <laughs>
2: and mutton sweat. The mutton
1: sweat. mutton <laughs> oh my god gross
0: he is buried in the fort smith national cemetery only blocks from where he once presided as judge his courtroom is now in the fort smith national historic sites fun fact fort smith national historic site includes the remains of two frontier forts the federal court and the western district of arkansas so let me show you his yeah office i love this
1: it's almost like we're going to a museum and looking at stuff (laughs) it's like a covid museum all oh, online. Yeah. <laughs> All virtual folks.
0: <laughs> okay. So that's him. hmm The painting. And that's his desk. Love it. And this is a replica of one of the nooses. Nooses? Nooses? Nieces? <laughs> nice. <laughs> niece. and there's the outside of the courthouse. Okay. So wow. Very cool. So modern day visitors are encouraged to begin their tour of Fort Smith at the judge's old courtroom and jail. It's all restored to like exactly what it would have looked like in his, you know, heyday. And they have his original furniture in the museum. You can buy replicas of gavel at the gift shop along with like deputy badges and imitation jail keys. So if anybody wants to send me a gavel. Totally.
1: No, that sounds like something you very much need.
0: I know. Right. (laughs) Well, if I, ever get to go visit my mom when COVID's over
1: I have to go Ugh. to Smith now so I'm like I'll just stop so you've never seen it right
0: no I've not been there
1: very no, cool I'm, something to do
0: yeah so I've been to Fort Smith once but I didn't get to go there so
1: cool uh, now for the spooky shit yay
0: yeah <laughs> so with so much death around it's no shocker that there's a lot of paranormal legends in Fort Smith In the book Supernatural Arkansas by Alan Lowe and Jason Hall, they dive into some of the more common experiences people encounter. If you see this fly dive bombing me that's why i'm swatting
2: i know i was like oh <laughs> she's the ghost. she's talking about
1: <laughs> ghosts it must be a ghost i was thinking the same thing she's like batting away the bad spirits
0: <laughs> yeah texas flies are so mean they just repeatedly oh. hit you in the face and i don't understand what's happening, happening. <laughs> the last time i recorded somebody's like i finally saw the shadow go across her face and i'm like it's like jaws like dude
1: doo-doo. yeah, yeah
0: it's gonna get me <laughs> so we're going to start with a former employee that described her frightening experience at the former courtroom that Parker resided on. She was about to turn off all the lights in the courtroom when she heard voices behind her. As they became louder, she heard a loud slam of a gavel. She also noticed a mist spread around the courtroom and she noticed voices were men yelling and women crying. <gasps> I would have already yeeted myself out there, but she stayed because oh, yeah. there's more. <laughs> ooh,
1: ooh. Uh See, that's
0: what these stories, I'm always like, okay, you hear a
2: child laughing, like, and there's no children around. Get the F out of there. I don't understand.
1: I don't get it. Especially, like, I feel like all these stories are like, like you just said, Leah, like, child laughing or hearing voices or whatever. You, Kina, you said missed. Uh-uh. <laughs> I don't know why that freaks me out more, but like if this no. all of a sudden, like, nope, we're not nope. gonna be here.
0: Nope. <sighs> and out of the mist, she saw a partial apparition of a man in dusty clothes being dragged away by two men with badges. So, like, three dudes appear and you're still
1: not running. Oh my gosh. And what? an extremely specific memory.
0: <laughs> Very specific. Wow. And then she said she heard the gavel hit one more time and then the mist disappeared. Mm-mm. So oh, it seems no. that Judge Parker likes a dramatic exit, which I can appreciate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a flair for the dramatics, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can relate. The Fort <laughs> Smith Museum of History, which is the home of his original furniture, has a lot of spooky experiences too. A group of paranormal investigators placed recording near the old furniture, and Lisa Gremlick, I hope I'm saying that right, said, "quote I heard this on what they recorded. It was like three bangs,
1: like a gavel." So a lot of gaveling in all these places. Yeah. But, which um, I would imagine he was doing a lot of that with ha- his caseload. God, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah which is like getting fifty thousand. cases a day yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Was. How many cases a day was it? I feel like they um,
2: underestimated it.
0: Well, they said it was ten hours a day. And he that did would like thirteen thousand in total. So it was, it had to be a lot. Yeah. yeah. Someone
1: else did the yeah. math on that. Yeah. Again, nobody listening.
0: And they say the gallows are also super haunted, but I, bet. I was reading reviews of people being like, I've been there and I didn't see anything. But they mm-hmm. say that the ropes move without any wind, but that could be literally anything. Sure. And then a lot of people say cameras will stop working and your batteries will drain if you're trying to take a picture of the gallows. So that's mm-hmm. a little interesting. That's
1: mm-hmm. very interesting.
0: And finally... There's a spooky cemetery, because there's
1: always a spooky cemetery. Yeah, there always has to be. I would have been disappointed in the if in the story <laughs> if there was not.
0: Uh the story comes from a groundskeeper at the Fort Smith National Cemetery where Parker and his wife are now buried. Which side note, if you are anywhere near Austin, I just heard from somebody that they are hiring groundskeepers and stuff at all their historic cemeteries there. So
1: To anyone and everyone but us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't have no. any skills for groundskeeping, but if I did <laughs> also Um, at cemeteries
2: that's not my that's not my jam no
0: thank you uh i asked her i'm like are they hiring a historian she's like no that's my job and i'm never
1: quitting oh my god like that's fair honestly no once you get a historian gig you stay with it as (laughs) i applied for that job (laughs) before i really
0: (laughs) i was (laughs) like you lucky bitch (laughs) Uh, they're probably like why are you still in arkansas no okay (laughs) so anywho Going back to that Supernatural Arkansas book, it says, quote, on a cold December night, a 1998 groundskeeper had an experience that left him shaken to the core. <laughs> oh,
1: I'm, I'm really loving the way that you're introducing this. It actually is yeah. giving me goosebumps. Yeah I, yeah, I like
0: it. He was on his way to retrieve some tools as dusk approached. The author says this particular groundskeeper had worked in cemeteries for years and wasn't normally very fearful. However, this night he heard a strange noise that kept repeating. As it approached, he realized the noise was footsteps crunching in the crisp winter grass. The groundskeeper reported that he felt like he was being followed. As retrieving his tools, he turned the flashlight and swung around, and in the beam of the flashlight, there was an old man. (gasps) The man stood there looking back at him. The man realized he could see through the other man, and he stood in front of him with white hair, a white beard, wearing an old black suit. And that's when the book says that the groundskeeper asked the man what he wanted. Which would I, not be what I do again.
2: You no. roll. me <laughs> <like>, eh. eh. <laughs> That's like a, today's equivalent of being like, sup, sup. Yeah. What's, what's up, dude? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Oh, no, no, no. If I can see through a person, <sighs> I'm not asking them. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: Oh. He says at that time, the man started to move his mouth, but no sound was coming from his lips. Oh, That's crazy. extra creepy
1: see-through
0: and nothing coming no no finally the groundskeeper yeeted out of there he dropped his flashlight and sped away in his car which is yeah. the normal reaction that's what you that's there. the initial reaction that
1: I <laughs> yes initial reaction yes
0: there's all all these extra steps none of these people needed you just leave the first yeah. one don't wait <laughs> No, thank you. The groundskeeper distinctly described the old man as Judge Parker based on the images he had seen of him during his many trips to the museum. Mm. So go to museum, guys, because then you might recognize the next ghost you see. Yes. More reasons reasons to do that. Kind of Parker adjacent is the Clayton House in Fort Smith. It's a restored antebellum residence that was home to one of Fort Smith's most well-known historic figures, William Henry Harrison Clayton. Everybody okay. has so many
1: names. Yeah, I thought so we it at William Henry Harrison, and this was going to be a presidential-themed thing, but okay. <laughs> oh, no, Arkansas only got Clinton. <laughs> got
0: it. Okay. Yay. So, Clayton was the prosecutor for the hanging judge, Isaac Parker. During his years before Parker, he convicted 80 men of murder, a greater mm. number than any other prosecutor in the United States. <laughs>
1: Oh, yes. That's not a record I'd want.
0: No, 40 of those were executed at the gallows. Not great. And this house was also a Union Army hospital. So I'm sure a lot of people died there too. Right. The family home is now a museum, and there's a lot of reports of supernatural activity. So if you go Mm -hmm. through like most haunted places in Arkansas, this is always in like the top 10. Hmm. Uh, Fly.
2: Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I saw you, Spirit. The Spirit.
0: Go away, Spirits. So, the museum's director reports seeing an apparition of a woman in Mr. Clayton's study. She's usually wearing a brown dress and has gray hair pulled back into a bun. She often appears through windows of the house. So, that's also why I always look in, like, windows of haunted old places, because I'm just waiting for one of them to look back at me. Yeah, (laughs) The ghost has a peaceful aura about her and stands quite still. Some people think it might be Miss Clayton or perhaps a nurse from when it was a hospital. But I have a picture. Ooh-hoo. of of the ghosty Ooh. okay here it is the window oh no <laughs> <Are you>
2: Okay. <laughs> i wasn't ready
0: <laughs> so it's just a window and it kind of looks like a woman like with her big hair like poofed up yeah there's
1: something there there's something going on brown dress yeah. poofy hair creepy
0: yes very very creepy
1: would not have stayed around to take a picture. No, and
0: that's the inside um, of it. So really cute little house. Oh yeah. Very uh and that's the outside. Okay, cute beautiful. house though. Wow. <laughs> yes, it's beautiful. very beautiful and charming. I love the house. I I don't really want the ghosts, but <laughs> no, I'll I'll pass on that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the woman also appears in photographs taken by construction workers in 2007 and 2008 but i could not find those on the internet which fun fact when i was a teen librarian i would have the historic arkansas preservation come and do a ghost presentation for my kids and she brought in pictures and she showed those and it looked like a woman in the picture but i don't know where she wow. got it she must have got it from the museum but it's not online yeah so interesting i also just wanted to say that i saw the fly <laughs>
2: It, it went straight for it, it. It did a beeline for your forehead and bounced right off. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> it.
0: Should be a drinking game now when you guys watch this live. How many times I get pelted in the face by a fly? Oh my god! Hilarious. And it's mostly because my dogs learn how to open doors, so they'll just open the door, and then the flies come in, and it's yeah a vicious cycle. <laughs> oh my god! Hilarious. <sighs> And in this house, people also claim to be touched by things that are not there. And yeah. I don't want to be touched. And they also pull their hair. And that's also a big no for me. Yeah. Personal space,
1: social distancing, get the fuck away. Yeah.
0: Nope
1: Yeah. I don't I'm I'm not huge on um I don't know. I'm not huge on like ghosts and stuff. Not that I don't believe that they exist, but I just have not really had experiences myself. But the exception (laughs) of that is one time, and I'm not super freaked out by this, but I swear, swear, swear on my life that this happened. My A couple of my siblings and my mom and I, we went to the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Oh my gosh. It was so cool. And we're in this room and there were like a lot of us, again, this is pre COVID time. So more than like two people could actually be in a room together. And there's a bunch of us, we're all crowded in there. And I thought that my hair had gotten caught on like a hook that was on the wall, you know, like just like a, like a hanger, a hook or something. Mm -hmm. Cause that's what it felt like. It felt like I just had like this little tug. So I turned around and I looked and there's nothing on the wall. So I was like, okay. So then I looked over at like my siblings. I'm like, did you just pull my hair? And they were like, no. So I look at, at my at my fiancé at the time, I'm like, did you just pull my hair? He's like, why would I pull your hair? And, <laughs> and so, like, I'm not super freaked out, but I swear in my life that that did happen, where my hair really felt like it was, like, stuck to the wall or, like, tugged by something, and everyone swears they didn't do anything. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I've never yeah. had anything like that. That's oh. my only experience. It was weird. Apparently, that happens a lot here. That's and then what I'm they hearing.
0: also say that people hear footsteps, boot stomping, and door slamming. And they also see apparitions throughout the house. And then on some occasions, they hear music and singing, which wow. could be lovely.
1: Just, sure. Just I like mean, it, it oh. would. it's lovely to hear Al Capone playing his banjo still at Alcatraz. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still going to pass.
0: <laughs> and then our final little ghostie is nicknamed the Tall Angry Man oh no so you know it's gonna go well the last person to see him thought he was a reenactor because he looked that real so then they went up to like the employee and was like who's that dude and they're like what dude and they're like there's nobody else in the house so you know tales holes spooky time but yeah mm-hmm. yeah that i mean i would probably be a little scared if i went up to somebody and was talking and then you just ghosted oh, totally. you literally a <laughs> like, literally, little bit literally ghosted you yes I I just don't think I would appreciate that because you know I'm very logic minded too like I think ghosts probably exist I haven't really experienced anything I yeah. think I want it too much so <laughs> I guess <that's> my problem But <laughs> no. I, I think if it did happen I would be like oh. especially something I couldn't you know explain away right yeah and the visitor told him that he was tall wore were all black, had an angry face, and he was wearing a top hat. Like a little babber ghost.
1: Yikes. Creepy.
0: And they're like, yeah, that's
1: the tall, angry man.
0: I like all these stories, too, where
1: they go to, like, the director or something. Like, I just saw that. And like, oh, yeah, that's just Jim Don't Ball worry about Bob. it. <laughs> don't it's worry just, about it. It's just Bill 2.0. Don't worry, about, yeah. don't worry about him. Like, he just does that. Don't
0: worry about it.
1: Ugh.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like the – there's this house – I have my opinions on whether it's really haunted because I think the woman's just making a fortune off just saying uh-huh. it's haunted and it's not. But mm-hmm. I've been in it a couple of times and she'll be like, if you feel something pull on your skirts or your pants, it's our little
1: girl. Her <gasps> name's Itsy. Like, okay. <laughs> Gross. And you've never felt your skirt pulled on? No. no I've been in there yeah. twice because I'll open it up for like a,
0: just go through it and see. Uh-huh. But she's also like, yeah, it was a serial killer. But, like, he only killed one person. I'm like, that's not how that works. That's, that's not what a serial killer, killer And I've covered it on the podcast. He left that. It was a hotel. He left the hotel. He went to New Braunfels, which is, like, 20 minutes driving on a horse. So God knows how long that took. And then he meant to murder his wife and accidentally killed a kid. Um, and then, like, drove. He <laughs> rode his horse all the way back to Saginaw. Which, again, 20 miles, that's a long way. And then wow. went to sleep. And so she says that he and the little girl they accidentally killed. Axed in the face. Kind of like Lizzie. Um, hmm. Haunt the place. Full circle. Interesting. And they call her Itsy because they
1: say Itsy Bitsy Spider will play in your head. No, no. Nope. nobody, nope. Nope. Yeah. So There's she's a, made a lot of money off of this house.
0: Oh, yeah. her. She had, It's an Airbnb and it's
1: like 300 bucks a night. Just like the when the the whatever the, 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 house. the house yeah i'm thinking of uh, an airbnb that my husband and i stayed in that was it was like an hourish from here but it was close to the i'm having a hard time talking <laughs> <laughs> it was close to being able to take a, a ferry out to like san francisco so that's why mm-hmm. we stayed there but it, but cheaper than staying in san francisco and yeah creepy house like I'll have to show you pictures like Leah I'm sure you've seen pictures of it right like
2: witch, or it was decorated with like witchy stuff
1: it was fantastic like
2: witchy stuff not real witchy stuff
1: correct yeah no fantastic (laughs) like the room that we stayed in was like there were were, like shells with like potions all over and like the sheets had skulls and crossbones on them right all that is to say that we stayed there for 30 bucks a night so (laughs) not 300 bucks a night oh yeah the bed and breakfast i was trying to buy i mean maybe i still
0: They're they're trying so hard to sell it so i know they're not waiting on me but if i can ever get it
1: hell yeah i'll say it's haunted if i can sure, <laughs> sure. if it brings you tours and money okay oh yeah
0: well it was a hospital for uh one of those big diseases i don't remember which one but yeah it was uh the COVID 19 or <laughs> like one of the 1800 ones oh Creeping. i do not want to say it's not syphilis <laughs> Although, Although people were riddled with syphilis in the 1800s, tuberculosis. I think it was like a uh, hospital. Yeah. 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 And uh, it has a really cool prohibition basement, it had like tunnels and stuff. It's so cool. And I that want That so is bad.
1: awesome. Yeah. yeah.
0: It has a massive carriage house, and that's where we were going to live. We were going to restore it and make it our house. I love oh. this
1: so much.
0: I want it so bad.
1: I'm just sending me. you lots of good thoughts. Yeah. Thought it-
0: yeah. That is I awesome. I
1: need a million dollars. <laughs> Everybody
0: knows how to get that. Like, how many TikTok views do I need to get to buy this? Oh, so uh, many. Oh man, I've been seeing a lot of those. Like, if you watch this three times, I could afford to do this. I'm like, yeah, oh, on TikTok, I've been seeing yeah. that a lot. How like, it's,
1: is it's, that? What does that mean? Is that how that works? Can you so monetize TikTok, TikTok? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you
2: can monetize TikTok. So depending on how many views you get, you get money per view, or so it's like a. Third of a cent per view, you know, something super sure. small. But if you get mm-hmm. six million views or whatever, then it some people
0: live off of TikTok now.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think my that's... I've only gotten like a thousand views once and I was really excited about
1: it. That's awesome. A thousand views is great. I was gonna say yeah.
0: that's good. Yeah. A thousand. Yeah. Yeah. This Lizzie Borden TikTok with don't be suspicious. It's going to be love
1: what's going to happen. Yeah, I, like, I need you to send it to us afterwards <laughs> i need to yeah. see it yeah look
2: like, me up i am on tiktok i just don't post anything <laughs> she doesn't post anything
1: she just sends sends the tiktoks out
2: it's tiktok is now my love language so yeah, if i'm sending you tiktoks like via a text message or something that means i love you <laughs>
1: Well, I feel extremely loved then. Yeah, you should.
2: Rachel, you're like number two in how many TikToks I send.
1: I'm kind of offended. I'm not number one.
0: It's my husband. I know. I know. (laughs) Oh, every time I send my husband one,
2: he's like, stop with the TikToks. Well, that's my biggest thing with TikTok is my husband doesn't get it. He doesn't have one. He doesn't have any interest in it. And so I'm trying to win him over. And he just he's like, I just don't get it. I oh. don't understand.
1: Oh, I think they're hilarious. I love I love all of them. I also yeah. needed to
2: point out that my cat <laughs>
1: Wait! Freeze! 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 Hold on! I want to take a picture.
2: Crawled into a box, like right at my feet, and I could tell he was like meowing loudly. So I had to pick it up, and now it's so
1: perfect. I'll send, I'll send you both that picture. That literally is that's amazing.
0: Oh my god! And now he's in a in the box on my lap. So we just had a kitty um, adopt us. He started out a shed kitty because he just showed up under our shed, and then. He wouldn't leave, so I fattened him up. And now his name is Prince of Wallachia, a.k.a. Oh, Wallahia, my God. That's so Because great. he's like Vlad the Impaler, and he murders a lot of things. So he's mm. murdering bugs and putting them in my shoe. So, oh, my God. So cool. He's my little yeah. Dracula. Man, well, thank you guys so much for joining me again. This has been so much fun. Yeah, oh, it man. really has
1: been fun. Thank you for having us.
0: Oh, anytime.
1: Yeah, we love it. Whenever you're, you have some other themes coming up, let us know. Oh, I will absolutely we're starting to uh pick them now i thought
0: we had plenty of time and i was like oh shit gotta do more polls on patreon <laughs> i need more stuff
1: love yeah it. we yeah. always have such awesome topics i love it
0: thank mm-hmm. you yeah we do polls on patreon and they pick them so
1: that's a great idea mm-hmm. and then you pick the random words too so that's awesome and yeah. your facebook group is really active too
0: oh yes yeah our uh is for everybody so if you want to join that join that and then we have a top secret confidential patreon love uh, it facebook too which is just a bunch of like really funny uh history memes most of the time
1: <laughs> love it no you do good work i just got invited to a uh, a why am i having a hard time talking another <laughs> i i know why i'm having a hard time talking <laughs> Um I got invited to another uh history podcast's Discord. Do you know what Discord is? Yeah, yeah. yeah um yeah. oh my god, that thing is popping like all the time. They're doing like really good work over there. You should join the Time Travel Talks Discord. It's- I am part of theirs. Okay. I didn't realize you were part of it. I am. I'm not very, I get so behind (laughs) that I'm trying to catch up. I don't
0: really say anything, but yeah, they got some really good conversations going. I know.
1: Discord's cool. I had thought about maybe doing one for us even, but oh my God, just trying to stay on top of it is like a little stressful. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks everybody for listening in the comments too. Yes. Thank you everybody. And thank you again for having us on. That was fun.
0: Yeah, no problem. It's always a good we need all the joy we can get in these times of I know the COVIDs for and, the, for sure. <laughs> and the the COVID darkness. And the <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you, Kina. This was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Bye. All right. See you. Bye. Bye.
0: I wanna thank hashtag history again for joining me for this episode. I had such a great time and this was such a great episode. If you guys want to watch this live or our future episodes and comment along with us, join Patreon. That is patreon.com slash historical And the tiers are $2 to 20 and each tier has more and more stuff. So anything from postcards to stickers to t-shirts and mugs to guesting. There's just so many benefits. You definitely should check that out. Since it is the holidays, and if you want to do a little shopping, there's a lot of discounts coming up on our merch store. And that's shop.spreadshirt.com slash historicalafpod. And things that we can't make at the merch store, I make myself. And I sell them on Etsy. And that's etsy.com slash shop slash keenest creations and that's creations with a k and on there I have koozies and beer mugs and wine glasses and the such that i just cannot get yet on our merch store spoiler alert be a discount coming on there too just keep a lookout on social media and that is historical af pod on twitter facebook and instagram If you have a cool history, spooky tale, true crime, you know, the drill story that you want to send us to do for our November Extra AF, there's still time. Send those in to historicalafpod at gmail.com. And finally, there's still time to join our holiday card exchange. And that's on Elster. And you can find the links on all the social media. And if you join the Historical AF Podcast Speakeasy group on Facebook, it's on there too. So everybody have a great Thanksgiving, if that is something that you celebrate. Be safe, stay home if you can, and we'll see you next week with 19th Century Criminals and Outlaws Part 3. Okay, bye!